0: Hi, welcome to this latest edition of Questions About Anne Boleyn. Now, I'm often asked whether the Boleyn sisters, Mary Boleyn and Anne Boleyn, were close. After all, in novels and movies like The Other Boleyn Girl, we see the two girls confiding in each other and helping each other, and then, of course, being jealous of each other. A real up-and-down sisterly relationship, but what about real life? What does history tell us about these Boleyn girls, these sisters? Well, I have to admit, unfortunately, very little. Although Mary Boleyn has been the focus of a few novels and biographies, she's actually a very shadowy figure compared to Anne Boleyn, George Boleyn and their father, Thomas Boleyn. And I remember The wonderful historian, the late Eric Ives, once saying to me that what we know about Mary Boleyn could be written on the back of a postcard with room to spare. She really is a shadowy figure. Now, I'll give you a link to my Mary Boleyn playlist as I've done some videos on what we do know about her, the facts that we do have, but it's frustratingly very little because she just wasn't as important as her diplomat brother, her diplomat father, and her sister, who obviously became queen. And we know even less about Mary Boleyn's personal relationship with her sister Anne. So what do we know about these girls? What what does history tell us about the times that they were linked and about their lives? Well, they were probably very close in age. Again, we don't even know their birth dates, but it's thought that Mary was born in around fifteen hundred and that Anne was probably born in around 1501. And this is all really based on when Thomas and Elizabeth Boleyn got married and the fact that Thomas Boleyn wrote to Cromwell much later that his wife gave him a child on an annual basis. So these two girls, they spent their early life together. And we know that definitely George and Anne were educated to a high level, and so it seems likely that Mary was too, and that the Boleyn siblings were educated at home, which would have been Hever Castle. The Boleyns were definitely based there from about 1505. So they would have been educated at home with private tutors, with their mother, Elizabeth Boleyn, sort of overseeing their education, although it would have been at Thomas Boleyn's sort of instruction. Now, I'm sure that in their free time growing up at Hever Castle in Kent in the beautiful Kent countryside that the Berlin children played together. I can just imagine them running through the sort of orchards and the land around Hever Castle, which wouldn't have been the landscaped gardens that we have today but perhaps it would have been orchards and gardens. I can just imagine them playing perhaps something like hide and seek together. And of course like any siblings they would have argued too, just like any brothers and sisters. But unfortunately, we don't have any diary entries or Anne Boleyn reminiscing about her time at Hever playing with her siblings. So no, we don't have any pretty stories of childhood. But in the summer of 1513, Anne Boleyn left Hever her father Thomas had managed to get her a place at the court of Margaret of Austria. Now, we don't know why Anne was chosen, whether she was particularly precocious and Thomas saw something in her that made her ideal for this position. But Anne definitely went abroad and Mary, we don't know. She appears to have stayed at home. However, fast forward a year to 1514 and both girls, Anne and Mary, are chosen to accompany Mary Tudor, sister of King Henry VIII, to France for her marriage to King Louis XII. These girls were to serve as maids of honour to her. Thomas Berlin wrote a very apologetic letter to Margaret of Austria, recalling Anne from her service. And it's likely that Anne travelled directly to France from the Low Countries, probably not arriving there until around the time of Mary Tudor's coronation, which took place on the 5th of November 1514. Whereas her sister, Mary Boleyn, accompanied Mary Tudor as she set sail from Dover on the 2nd of October. So the sisters were together once more in France from November 1514, but this time together was to be short-lived as King Louis XII died at New Year 1515. After secretly marrying Charles Brandon Duke of Suffolk, who'd been sent to escort her back to England, Mary Tudor returned to England with her entourage in early May 1515, and it appears that Mary Boleyn went with her. Anne, however, we definitely know, was retained by the new Queen of France, King Francis I's wife, his queen consort, Queen Claude. Sometime after her return to England, Mary Boleyn slept with King Henry VIII. Now, frustratingly, and against what uh, novels and some history books say, we know absolutely nothing about this relationship. We don't know when it happened. We don't know how long it lasted. It could have been one night only. We know nothing, only that it did happen. And we actually only know about that because in 1527, when Henry VIII wanted to marry Anne Boleyn, he applied for a dispensation to cover the impediment of affinity arising from illicit intercourse in whatever degree, even the first showing that he'd slept with either Anne's mother or a sibling. Now, we can rule out Anne's mother, Elizabeth Boleyn, because when Henry VIII was told of a rumour that he'd slept with both Anne's mother and sister, he replied, never with the mother. He didn't say never with the sister. He said never with the mother. But as I said, we don't know any more about the relationship. And we actually don't know any more about Mary's life between 1515, when she returned, and 1520, when there is record of her wedding. This wedding took place at the Chapel Royal at Greenwich Palace, a very nice place to get married. She got married on the 4th of February 1520 and she married William Carey, a member of Henry VIII's privy chamber and a man who served as an esquire of the body to Henry VIII. Anne didn't attend the wedding because she was in France. But actually the sisters would have seen each other four months later at the Field of Cloth of Gold meeting, that lavish meeting between King Henry VIII and Francis I that June. Mary was chosen to attend on Queen Catherine of Aragon. And because Queen Claude also attended the meeting, Anne would have been there as one of Queen Claude's Maids of Honours. Thomas and Elizabeth Boleyn also attended. Did the sisters have a chance to chat and catch up? Sadly, we don't know. We don't have any records of an actual meeting between them, but I'm sure they did, and I would hope that they did. They were in the same place at the same time, so surely they would have at least said hello. Mary would have travelled back to England with the English Royal Party, and of course Anne would have stayed on in France with Queen Claude but it wasn't actually too long before the sisters saw each other again. Anne was recalled from France in late 1521, as there were negotiations for her to marry James Butler, and she was also chosen to join Queen Catherine of Aragon's household. We don't know when Anne actually arrived back in England, but she was certainly at court by the 4th of March 1522, when the Shrovetide pageant, the Chateau Verts, took place at Cardinal Wolsey's property, York Place. We know from the records of this pageant that both Berlin sisters took part. Mary played the part of kindness and Anne played perseverance, with their former mistress, Mary Tudor, playing beauty and their future sister-in-law, Jane Parker, playing constancy. Although both Berlin girls were in England now, there still isn't any hint at all of a close sisterly relationship. Mary became a mother in around 1524, giving birth to a daughter Catherine, who was followed by her brother Henry in 1526. Anne was at court serving Catherine of Aragon and enjoying a bit of a romance with a member of Cardinal Wolsey's household, Henry Percy, son and heir of the Earl of Northumberland. The romance sadly ended up being broken up by Cardinal Wolsey and Percy's father, possibly at the king's behest. And soon Anne was being wooed by the king himself. By the summer of 1527, Henry VIII had proposed to Anne, and his great matter, that famous quest for an annulment of his first marriage, his marriage to Catherine of Aragon, began. What did Mary Blynn think of Anne becoming involved with her former lover? We don't know. History is silent on it. Was she even bothered? Had she only slept with Henry once, or was it an involved relationship? We haven't got a clue, and that's why actually it makes such a great blank canvas for novelists. The next time the sisters were linked in any way was when Mary was widowed in June 1528. William Carey died of sweating sickness, leaving Mary with two young children and in a precarious financial position. King Henry VIII and Anne helped Mary, Two-year-old Henry Carey was made Anne's ward. Now, although this was good for Anne because it put Anne in control of the revenue from the boys' holdings, so it was very beneficial to her, it really helped Mary immensely. Anne was taking charge of the boy. She was providing for him. She was organising his education, so it took a lot of responsibility and financial sort of problems off Mary. Anne gave Henry Carey wonderful opportunities. She gave him the opportunity of being educated by the famous French scholar, Nicholas Bourbon. um, And he was educated with boys like the son of Henry Norris, who was a great friend of the king who'd become his groom of the stool. Now, the king also helped Mary by intervening with her father, Thomas, on her behalf, prompting him to make provision for her. And we don't know why the king had to prompt Thomas to do this, whether there'd been some kind of family division, perhaps because of Mary's relationship with the king. We really don't know. It's all speculation. But the king did step in and Thomas did help. In December 1528, Henry VIII also assigned Mary an annuity of £100, which had once been paid to her husband. So instead of being paid to William Carey, who died, it passed on to Mary and really helped her out. Following Carey's death, and we don't really know why, whether it was um, perhaps Anne felt some need to help um, Carey, perhaps it was his dying wish... But Anne also wanted to help advance Carey's sister, Eleanor, in her abbey. But the nun, Eleanor, had a bit of a reputation, which caused caused a bit of a problem with this. She was said to have loose morals. I can only describe them as that, loose morals. She'd had at least two illegitimate children by two sundry priests, So not um, really advancement material. She wasn't really someone you wanted to promote. And Carey's other sister, Anne, was also problematic. And King Henry VIII would not, as he explained to Anne, for all the gold in the world clog your conscience, nor mine to make her ruler of a house which is of such ungodly demeanour nor I trust you would not that neither for brother nor sister I should so disdain mine honour or conscience. So Henry VIII certainly did not want to be linked to such impropriety, such loose morals. Two years after Carey's death in 1530, Anne had to get something from Mary. King Henry VIII gave Anne Boleyn £20, for the redemption of a jewel which my lady Mary Rochford had. Now, this seems strange. Um, it, it intrigues me. Was this a jewel that the king had given Mary when they were involved? Perhaps so. Was it something that he'd helped William Carey buy Mary? We just don't know, but it is intriguing. And I wonder how Mary felt having to hand over this jewel to Anne. Perhaps it was just a way of giving the king and Anne an excuse to help Mary by giving her this money in return for the jewel. The next time the historical records have Mary and Anne coming into contact is in October 1532, when Mary was chosen to accompany the king and Anne on their trip to Calais. Anne had been made Marquess or Marchioness of Pembroke, and the aim of this trip was to get Francis I's support for Henry's relationship with Anne against the Pope. Again, we have no recorded instances of the two women interacting in any way. We just know that Mary was there. But Mary was not one of Anne's permanent ladies. She wasn't a permanent lady in waiting. She wasn't a permanent member of Anne's household. But Mary did serve her on special occasions. There were ladies that were chosen to just serve the Queen on special occasions. And one of those special occasions was the Calais trip. And then another special occasion was Anne's coronation in 1533, where Mary did attend on her. Mary's name also appears on the king's New Year's gift lists for 1532 and 1534. So it appears that she was at court on those occasions. Then finally, we actually have a record of interaction between the sisters. They actually spoke to each other. In September 1534, Mary turned up at the royal court visibly pregnant. Now, we have to remember that this was uh, just a couple of months after Anne had been recorded as having a goodly belly, being heavily pregnant. We don't know what happened to that baby whether she had a stillbirth or whether it was some kind of phantom pregnancy, we just don't know. But Mary turned up at the court visibly pregnant and she informed her sister, the Queen, that she'd secretly married, marrying a man named William Stafford, a soldier of the Calais garrison. Anne was furious. Not only had Mary, as the Queen's sister, married beneath her, She'd also married without her sister's permission. She should have expected Anne and the king to arrange a suitable marriage match for her, but she defied them. She'd gone her own way. Eustace Chapuis, the imperial ambassador, reported that Mary was banished from court in consequence of gross misconduct. And she also had her allowance from her father, Thomas Boleyn, cut off. Mary turned to Thomas Cromwell, who of course at this time was the king's right-hand man, writing to him and asking him to be good to her poor husband and herself, explaining how she'd married for love and saying, for well, I might have had a greater man of birth and a higher, but I assure you, I could never had one that should have loved me so well, nor a more honest man. She asked Thomas Cromwell to intercede with the king for her husband and to intercede with her family for herself. And then comes a bit in the letter that I find... I read it as a bit of a go at Anne, a bit of a snipe at her sister. For she writes, I had rather beg my bread with him than to be the greatest queen in Christendom. Now... I have to smile at this, but I do love the fact that on the one hand, Mary's saying that she'd prefer to beg bread with the man she loves than be the greatest queen. But on the other hand, she's also asking Cromwell to intercede with the king and with Anne and with her family because she needs money. Hmm, okay. I wonder if Anne ever saw that letter and what she thought of it. Now, it's not known where Mary went to that point, or what happened to the baby she was carrying. The baby just disappears, just like Anne's baby disappeared in 1534. And the only mention we have of Mary in regards to Anne is the Bishop of Fianza reporting on Anne Boleyn's miscarriage of 1536. The Bishop believed the pregnancy to have been faked and wrote that Anne, to keep up the deceit, would allow no one to attend on her but her sister. However, English chroniclers and Chapuis, who was on the ground at the time, all report Anne miscarrying a male foetus and they make no mention of her sister Mary being at court at the time. Mary doesn't appear in the records in April and May 1536 either at the time of Anne and George's falls. She appears to have been safely away from court either in the English countryside or perhaps in Calais with her husband with his links to the Calais garrison. We just don't know. And we don't know how much she knew about the events, when she found out about them, how she felt. We know nothing. We can assume that Mary was upset. Who wouldn't be at what happened to their siblings? But how close had she been to Anne? We just don't know. So if we depend on history, if we depend on the primary sources, it really doesn't appear that the girls had a close relationship or that they actually had much to do with each other at all. It's not like Anne and George, for example. We have historical evidence that points to Anne and George being very close. We don't have that about Mary and Anne. It's very frustrating. But do check out my Mary Boleyn playlist and I'll add a link to that in the description um, because I've done quite a few videos on Mary Boleyn and actually what we know about her and um, her alleged relationship with King Francis I and her relationship with King Henry VIII and just what we do know about her and her life and her children. So do check that out. So it's frustrating to be able to answer that question, were they close with a, I don't know, but that is the truth. And I have to be honest. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I do hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe so that you can enjoy podcasts on a daily basis. Thank you.